0: Good morning, everyone. Good morning. As we turn our attention to God's word this morning, we seek to receive it with joy-filled reverence and sober humility. The summons of the word found in your bulletin prepares our hearts and minds to do just that. Let's read it together. Jesus said, it is written, man should not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. This morning's scripture reading is taken from Matthew chapter 4, verses 23 through 25. Again, the text is Matthew chapter four, verses 23 through 25. Hear now the word of the Lord. Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, preparing the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, the demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across Jordan followed him.
1: Here you are. Well, let's pray together. But before we do, I just want, want to mention: I, I uh, Ron apologized for the, uh, the technical difficulties. I was trying to think as, as as they as they were wrestling. I was trying to think of the last time there were any technical difficulties here on Sunday morning, and I couldn't remember. It is amazing, uh, you know. So often when things go well, you don't notice. You don't thank anyone. You just think they just just go off without a hitch, just by itself. But I tell you what. It's only when things go wrong, right, that you realize, oh wow, this this, this actually this actually takes work, it actually it's effort, it takes manpower, it takes planning. And so often I'm I'm just so grateful for how Ron and Nancy and, and many of you work to make uh, make the services hum and make them truly beautiful week we can worship. So so thank you, Ron. Thank you I and mean, thank you everyone. I really appreciate the work that you do. Let's with that, let's 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 go to the Lord in prayer. Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing in your sight, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer. Father, would you be pleased to use this scripture text imprint it upon our souls. Father, may it wash over our hearts. May it instruct us, may it change us, may it comfort us. Father, may it challenge us. May it renew us. May, it, may, may you use it to conform us to the likeness of your Son, our Lord Jesus Christ, in whose name we pray. Amen. Let me start this morning with a question. As we jump into a series in the Beatitudes, I want to tackle these first few verses that precede uh, the Beatitudes proper because they, they sort of set the, the context for what Jesus is about to say. And I want to begin uh, my, my comments this morning with a question a very simple question. It's kind of a broad question. Very simple. Do you know what you need? Do you know what you need in your life? Do you know what you need emotionally, relationally, financially? Do you know what you need? It may seem like an obvious thing. Recently in counseling, I've been in, I go to counseling. Yes, I'm a counselor, but I also uh, go to counseling. In fact, I've been doing that for on and off the last two or three years. After we moved here from Puerto Rico, and this past week, my counselor says she she said to me, she said, "Bruce, you have to tell people what you need." And and I and she said, "Let me tell you why you have to do that." That's an obvious thing. You think you think like, well, you really need to be told that you have to tell people what you need. <laughs> yeah, actually, I do. And here's why. She said, here's why. She said, unlike you, she had two reasons, she said. Unlike you, a lot of people are not empaths. So you're a very empathetic person. Like, you can often see people's needs and meet those needs. And she said, what you do is you, you project yourself on others and you think that they're empaths too and they can just see your needs and meet them. That's just not the case. People don't know. And then the second thing she said, unintentionally, the reason that you have to tell people that you have to tell people what, you're, what you need is unintentionally, she said, "You, Bruce, you don't project need." You don't project need." She said, "You're, you're a helper." And people don't think you need help. They say, "Wow, well, he's helping others, so he must be just fine." So for example, when I was, uh, before coming here, we were living in Puerto Rico and we were doing, after the hurricane there, we were doing humanitarian relief work and it was exhausting, it was absolutely exhausting. In fact, about two to three weeks after the hurricane, after helping so many people, I began to notice the people that I was working with, the helpers who were helping uh, to distribute the various food and the water, all the various medical supplies, the helpers themselves were exhausted and the helpers were the ones who needed help. And the question was, was who's gonna care for them? In fact, we, we actually established a separate sort of uh, wing of, our, of our, our effort to actually, it was called Help the Helpers, because we're realizing that those who were helping, their own families weren't being cared for. They weren't getting food, they weren't getting water. And so my question this morning, again, is to ask, do you, do you know what you need? And just as an aside, as your pastor, to, you know, to actually do what my counselor tells me to do, as your pastor, I would ask you, I need you to pray for me. I would love for you to pray to me. In fact, I would love for you to text me during the week and say, hey, Pastor Bruce, I want you to know I prayed for you today. That would be huge. In fact, some of you have done that. I'm going to embarrass Kathy. Kathy, several times, has texted me or called me and said, Pastor Bruce, how can I pray for you? And I just, I just want to cry. It makes me so grateful to know that someone is thinking about me and someone wants to pray for me. So I'm asking you, would you pray for me? The second thing I would ask is, I don't only need your prayer, but I need your encouragement. I need you to encourage me. I do. And I'm not ashamed to say, hey. So often I have this wonderful encourager over here, Don. Don Kenison just sometimes calls me and just says, hey, I want you to know. This meant so much to me, or I want you to know this is someone said this and this is what's going on in their lives, the result of what you did. An encouragement. But I'm um, again I mean, go back to this question. Here, here's the thing, gang. In response to my counselor's advice, I pushed back. <laughs> she said, Bruce, you've got to tell people what you need. And I said to her, wait a minute, but what if I don't know what I need? What if I don't know? talking to a pastor friend of mine recently and I was sharing him actually the very things I'm sharing with you now and he said to me it's funny you mention that he said because he said this this is I thought this was so insightful he said you know some of the best gifts I've ever gotten were things that I didn't realize that I needed isn't that beautiful y'all a loved one a friend a family member and this Christmas time, or it's your birthday, or whatever, and they just see, they know he needs this or she needs this, and then you, you you give this gift and you get it and you go, oh my goodness, this is this is exactly what I needed, and I didn't know it. It's exactly what I needed, and I didn't know. And in fact, this is everything I wanted, and I didn't know that I needed this. It's not, I just didn't know. I don't know if you have. I'm listen. I apologize. I am a. I love romantic comedies. You know, most you know, most people you know. A lot, of, a lot of people, especially men, they're like, ah, rom-com. I love a good romantic comedy. And I, this is a number of years ago now. But there, a, a, a romantic comedy came out called Fool's Rush In. And it starts. Uh, it stars uh, Salma Hayek and Matthew Perry, you know, from the Friends sitcom from the 90s. So this is how it displays how old this, this uh, movie is. But, but Matthew Perry plays the character named Alex Whitman. And Alex Whitman is this handsome, ambitious New York architect. And his his career is taking off. And he's about to begin his dream project of this this huge high-rise, I think, building in in Tokyo. And he's going to be flying from New York to Tokyo and and stay there as he's building this high-rise. And at the last minute, his firm reassigns him to build a nightclub in Las Vegas. (laughs) Which, you know, is absolutely not the last thing that he wants to do. And And this is important. It's not at all what he'd planned in life. And then once he gets in Vegas, he's a bachelor. He's out partying one night, and he meets this beautiful Mexican-American girl, Salma Hayek, right? And of course, you know, being doing what they're doing, partying after spending a night together. They, the two don't see each other for a number of months, when suddenly she reappears at his work site with the news that she's carrying this child. not at all what he had planned. Not at all what she had planned. And they immediately agreed that it could never work. He's a wasp, right? White Anglo-Saxon Protestant. She's Mexican. He's proper. She's, she's just boisterous and loud, and free-spirited. He's punctual. She is never on time. In fact, in the movie, I get this, he's actually Presbyterian. Whatever that even means, I don't even know. And of course she is ardently catholic and yet through a series of hilarious and enduring this very enduring events he realizes that what it's a romantic comedy he realizes that she's the one and at one point he turns to her and he says one of the best lines of any romantic comedy he says you are everything i never knew i always wanted Isn't that amazing? You're everything I never knew I always wanted. I didn't know I needed this. I didn't know this is what I wanted. And I think, gang, that is exactly the message of Christianity. It's exactly. Christianity is everything we never knew we we always wanted. See, I think all of us know that life doesn't go according to plan. In fact, we're going to see that in our text today. Life doesn't go according to plan at all whether through some misfortune or our own foolishness, we've come to realize that plan A isn't going to work out. See, the Christian is one who has stumbled upon the beautiful reality that there is a planner. And his plans never fail. There's one who in the end will get his way. Not ours, but his. There's one who has addressed our foolishness one who has invited us to participate in his plans and in his purposes. And while the world and its pleasures and its partying is singing, I did it my way, we're here. We gather every Sunday morning and sing about one who in the midst of our affliction, in the midst of our troubles, in the midst of our betrayals, has said to his Father, not my way, not my will, but your will. So we're here this morning to celebrate the fact that he, that Jesus has inexplicably and wondrously interrupted our lives. He's interrupted our lives in very difficult and painful ways. But we're here to be astonished by what, we have, by what we've been about and what we want. And we have to realize, listen, we have to realize, again, that Jesus is everything We never knew we always wanted. That's what we were saying earlier. What was it? Praise the Father. Praise the Son. Praise the Spirit, three in one. God of glory. God of majesty. Praise forever to the King of kings. We're celebrating his reign. And here in the final verses of of chapter 4, we read of Jesus proclaiming, listen to this, that through him, Israel's God is taking over. Through him, through Jesus, Israel's God is taking over. I hope you can remember several weeks back I preached in the Lord's Prayer. Father, stand out, take over, and set us free. Jesus is here proclaiming the good news that through him, God is ta- Israel's God is taking over. Look at verse 23. Jesus went through Gal- throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom, the good news of a takeover. The good news of his arriving to take over and have his way with the world, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. And here's the thing, here's the, the thing I want you to hear this morning. Since he's taking over the world, we should, on, we should take on his view of the world. Let me say that again. Since he's taking over the world, we should take on his view of the world. See, so those of you who work like in a, just in a public or a, a, a private uh, work uh, context, you know that it doesn't really matter at the end of the day, if you're an employee, it doesn't really matter what you think. Right? It doesn't matter what your view of things are. Who, who's, whose opinion matters? Right? Whose viewpoint, whose perspective matters? Well, the bosses, Because he's in charge. He's the one who's, who's over the whole thing. since he's taking over the world, we should take on his view of the world. And that's exactly what we find in these series of statements called the Beatitudes. It's Jesus' view of the world. And it's amazing. It is so counterintuitive. It's so countercultural. See, when Jesus says, when he says, blessed are, blessed are the poor in spirit, that that, that phrase, blessed are, it means it's going to go best for the poor in spirit. It's going to go best for the peacemakers. It's going to go best for those who mourn. It's, it's this idea of to say blessed is they say fortunate. Fortunate are those. And it's so counterintuitive. What do you mean fortunate? What do you mean it's going to go better for those who mourn? What do you mean it's going to go better for those who are poor in spirit, who are at the end of the rope? Those who are at the, on low battery, if you will. And we're going to explore how Jesus sees the world in ways, again, that are so countercultural and so counterintuitive. And listen, gang, that's really good news. It's really good news. But you, know, you know what's intuitive to me? What's intuitive to me is to look at the world and be depressed. To look at the world and be cynical and sarcastic. To look at the world and be apathetic. You know, I, just, I'm not, I don't care anymore. I just don't care. And Jesus says, Bruce how you're viewing the world. I've got good news. How you're viewing the world is wrong. Let me help you see. I'm taking over and I'm on the move. And let me help you see how my kingdom is coming. Let me ask a question of the text. We've seen in verse 23 that Jesus is declaring that through him, God is taking over, right? Now, here's my question. Who is hearing and receiving this message? That is, who is experiencing the coming of this kingdom? Who's got a front row seat, if you will? Look at verse 24. News about him spread all over Syria and people brought to him all who were ill with various diseases, those suffering severe pain, The demon-possessed, those having seizures, and the paralyzed, and he healed them. Do you see this list? Who of you, who of us, who among us would want to be ill with various diseases? Who would want to be those suffering severe pain? Who would want to be demon-possessed? Who would want to be those having seizures? Who would want to be paralyzed? And yet these are the ones who are experiencing the kingdom of God. These are the ones who are encountering it. These are the ones who have a front row seat. It's those whose lives are deeply troubled. Who are those who are tasting the kingdom? Those whose lives have not gone according to plan. Those whose lives are deeply afflicted and struggling. And Jesus is going to say, it's actually those who were blessed are those who are deeply troubled. In fact, my father, my father's done some wonderful just meditation on the Beatitudes. And he, says, he said, to me, he pointed this, this very point out to me, he says, Bruce, do you see all these people are deeply troubled? And they're the ones who are experiencing the kingdom. And so he gave me some advice, and he said, he says, this is so good, he says, Bruce, Jesus is encouraging us to get in trouble. To be troubled, to get in trouble. See, it's not the healthy and the wealthy who are experiencing the kingdom of God. In fact, what does Jesus say about the rich? It's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a rich man to enter the kingdom of God. You know, it's so funny, our culture, sorry, I can't help, a cultural critique. You know, our culture, especially the elite, Especially, I'm sorry, I'm going to pick on the progressives a little bit here. They're all about this idea of privilege. Privilege, privilege, privilege. If you got privilege, that's what it's all about. If you got privilege, that's awesome. Jesus is saying it's easier for a camel to go through an eye of a needle than for a privileged person to enter the kingdom of God. Because it's the privileged who are, it's the rich who have shielded themselves off from all of these hardships they live in this pretend world like everything's okay and they use their wealth. The Proverbs say this. The rich person imagines their wealth to be this, this wall, this fortress all around them to, to, to shield out all that can go wrong. To, to sort of So his gaze can't look upon a world that is hurting. It's the story, it's the parable of Lazarus and the rich man. This rich man live in his life He doesn't even know that outside his own door is Lazarus, this poor, poor man, sick, ill. He doesn't know. He's not even aware of it. He's blind that there's a kingdom that needs to come. He's blind to the world as it really is. So again, who's got the front row seat to the kingdom of God? It's those who are in the back row of our world. And by the way that's why for epiphany we're reading the introduction to this book called Destiny such a great book it's called I'm sorry I'm sorry I'm sorry not Destiny it's called um, Dignity Dignity seeking respect in back row America It's amazing uh, the author Chris Arnade is this um, he just he, he, he's taken about 18 24 months of his life and he just he would go to various cities in America and ask where am I not supposed to go? Right. If you live in St. Louis here, I could say, Hey, don't don't go that don't don't go to that part of St. Louis. And he would go again in his minivan. He would go to that very place. And he started just to walk around, just walk around. He'd go to McDonald's. He said, do You want to you want to start in America? He said, Go to McDonald's. And he would just talk to people. Just talk to me. Literally, sit and talk. No agenda. Not trying to change anybody. Not trying to do anything. Just talk. And he has a, he took a photographer with him, or someone took his own pictures, and I'm telling you, it's just an amazing read. So when we read it's, it's a short it's introduction it's like 15, 20 pages. We're going to have a discussion out about it. I'll mention the details later. But we're reading that because, again, the subtitle of the book, "The D- Dignity: Seeking Respect in Back Row America." See, Jesus is li- was living among, he was encountering those who were suffering severe pain, who were ill with various diseases, who were demon-possessed. I mean, I don't even know what to do with that. having I mean, seizures and paralyzed. I shared before about the Catholic uh, priest, um, the late Catholic priest Henri Nouwen. Henri was teaching at Harvard Divinity School. It's at the peak of his courage, brilliant, renowned, published, and inside, he was just empty, spiritually empty, burned out. One of his one of his friends, who had started uh, communities of persons of adults with special needs, he advised them. He said, "Look, you know what you need to do. You need to go volunteer at one of my communities of persons who, again, these are adults of various ages, all having severe uh, special needs." And he did. He, he walked away from his Harvard career, his academic uh, achievements and went and lived in this, this community and served. And they didn't care how would he published. publish. They didn't care if he had titles. They, they didn't know. They didn't, they, didn't, they didn't care. They just didn't know. And he, say, he writes, he says this, he said, more clearly than ever God told me, he said, go and live among the poor in spirit and they will heal you. Isn't that beautiful? See, it's those in the back row. It's those who are troubled, those who are struggling, those who are lost. And I'm going to tell you again, I want you to know this. It may sound strange, but I love, I love being with you in your time of need. I love being with you in the trenches of life. You're never going to say anything to me that's going to make me want to leave you you're Never going to say anything that makes me judge you. Not. I care about you. I really do. Your leadership cares about you. Don cares about you. Jim cares about you. In fact, today we're going to be electing Don. we uh, electing him into office formally, and I just I can't rec- I can't couldn't recommend him more strongly. I'm so excited that Don's going to be one of our elders. Ron. Ron has a beautiful heart. He's going to be rolling off. He's going to, he's going to, he's going to you know, um, very fairly, very rightly over time take, take a break and, and uh, simply take a, a, you know, take, a, take a seat. He's been serving us so faithfully for so many years. and we, we want to be with you in the trenches because that's, that's when we get a front row to witness what God is doing in our lives. And we're going to cry with you. We're going to rejoice with you. We want to scratch our heads and say, what in the world is God doing here? I have no idea. We want to lament with you. We want to plot and plan with you. We do. Because that's when we get to see God's fingerprints. That's when we get to see God at work. So let me ask the question a second time. We're almost done here. Large. uh, Who is hearing and receiving this message? It's those in the back row. It's those who are struggling the most. It's those who are in trouble but again, let me ask the question again. Who is, who is hearing and receiving this message? Well, look at verse 25, just very briefly. Large crowds from Galilee, the Decapolis, Jerusalem, Judea, and the region across the Jordan followed him. Just, let's just look at the cultural and social diversity here. from found this verse. Galilee, Galilee is, that's country. That's Hoosier. I've learned this term since I've been in St. Louis. Hoosier, I guess, right? It doesn't mean Indiana Hoosiers. It's something else, right? Galilee is Hoosier. It's, it's redneck. It's backward. It's forgotten. It's the meth capital of the state, ca- of the, estate, or the nation or something, right? Galilee is just... It's where the deplorables live, right? The Decapolis. The Decapolis was... If Galilee was just kind of like the losers, the Decapolis was the untouchables. That's where the apolitis is where all the, all the Gentiles, the dirty, the dirty Gentiles lived. The unclean. But there's Jewish Jerusalem. That's, that's the heart. That's the, the center of the Jewish world. That's where the temple is. That's where the elites are. That's where the big dogs are. Jerusalem, is Judea, this whole surrounding area and the region across the Jordan. All of these people from different walks of life, they're all following him. So who's this message for? I don't care. Jesus doesn't care about cultural background. He doesn't, doesn't ignore it, but it's just not relevant to him. So no matter what your story, no matter what your background, who's hearing and receiving the message, large crowds from all over the place are hearing and wondering, wow, is this guy for real? So listen to this again, since he's taking over the world, we should take on his view of the world. And that's what we're going to do in the weeks to come. We're going to look at these Beatitudes and we're going we're to see life. We're going to see our troubles. We're going to see our hardships, everything from conflict to, to, to despair. We're going to see those in a new light. We're going to see those things through the eyes of Jesus. What if it's, what if it's a good thing to, to be at the end of our rope? What if, it, what if it's a good thing? to be on low battery? What if it's a good thing that we are grieving and mourning? What if it's a good thing that we're actually in the midst of conflict right now? What if those are actually the places, the very place where God wants to meet us? What if if those are the very things that we can one day look back and say, you know what, that was so hard. I wouldn't want to go through that again, but it's one of the best things that ever happened to me. It's everything I knew I never needed. It's everything I never knew I always needed. What if it's a good thing? Let me me close with this. Sarah and I were, uh, I think we'd been in, we lived in the UK for four years, I was doing school. And I can't remember what what year it was, but we were often, we would be often uh, checking the uh, exchange rate because it just, you know, whenever you're transferring funds, you want to get the best deal you can. And I had to pay the tuition for school. And there was a deadline and in uh, that week, I transferred from f- uh, some funds from, I don't want even say the, the name of the, uh, the, the company, but I had funds in my, my US account, and I needed to transfer them to my UK account. Well, I transferred, again. this is for tuition, so it was, a, it was a rather large sum of money that I was transferring. And unbeknownst to me, uh, when I transferred it up, any amount of funds above a certain amount, I don't know what the number was, but it's immediately flagged and it won't, it won't be transferred immediately, it has to be reviewed, because out of some sort of suspicion of, of you know, what's going on here with this large amount of money being transferred, etc. So again, so the, the, the transfer was flagged for review, and the funds were frozen. And here I'm supposed to pay tuition, there's a deadline for tuition, and I, I can't get access to my funds. And so what I do is I, I call up the, the, the UK helpline, help desk. And again, I don't know if you know anything about the UK at all, but the UK Customer support. Well, I'll let, you, I'll, let you, I'll let you guess what it's like, okay? Not only were they insensitive, they were totally incompetent, totally incompetent. So what I did, I thought, okay, what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna call up the US side and see if I can get customer support from them. I called the customer support on the American side I get this lady, she was so nice. She was so compassionate. But she still couldn't do anything. <laughs> she said, yeah, I don't know. I said, well, can I speak to your, your, your supervisor? Well, well, well. so finally, you got to the supervisor, and I spoke to his supervisor. And the lady said, this lady was incredibly compassionate. And get this, she was in control. I'll never forget that she said, Mr. Clark, can you update your, or what's the word, when you um, update your screen, like refresh your screen. And I hit, I was at that point I was so discouraged, I was so frustrated, I was so angry, I was just ready to like throw my computer out the window. You know, I was just so mad. And she said, update, refresh your screen. So I hit the refresh button and suddenly this button appeared. And I was like, wow, now I'm in business. And sure enough, she was able to free my funds. And get it over. She did not. She not only had compassion. She was in control. What a great picture of Jesus. He's our king. He is the king. He is taking over. Will we let him? Will we let him take the reins? Will we let him see, interpret our lives? Will we be willing to see our struggles, our trials, our conflicts through his eyes? That's what the beatitudes are calling us to do. Will you, will you pray with me to that end? Will you pray, God, help me to see the world, to see others, my enemies, my family, my friends, my coworkers. workers Will you help me to see the situations, the struggles in my life through your eyes? Let's pray together. Heavenly Father, it's just so beautiful that you've not only given us the welcome of Jesus, the welcome that we need so much, but you've also given us the wisdom of Jesus. The wisdom to see the world the way that you would have us see it. Oh, Father, we long, we long to see the world through the eyes of Jesus. Father, how, how we see things is, how he sees things is just so counterintuitive. It's so different from how we see things. And how he sees things is so different from, from the world. It's so countercultural. Help us to follow Jesus. To say no to ourselves. To say no to our society. And to say yes to you, our Savior. Oh, Father, hear our prayers, for we pray them in the mighty and merciful name of Jesus. Amen.